Hey, this is Pastor Rafael Rodriguez. Welcome to Restore 2020 Podcast. Go ahead and choose a message. Be empowered, be equipped, be prepared to change your world for Christ Jesus. God bless you. And so my intention this morning is to continue on with the remainder of the, the, the spiritual gifts and have, help you have a deeper understanding of what that is. Last week I hit on eight of the spiritual gifts, and today I'll be completing, completing the remainder. Now, here's the prerequisite to receiving a spiritual gift is accepting the gift of salvation. You cannot have a spiritual gift without having Jesus in your life. The Holy Spirit gives you a few gifts so that you can use them for the edification of the church. So if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, don't expect to get a spiritual gift because the prerequisite is salvation. God's not going to give a gift to somebody, a spiritual gift to somebody who don't have a relationship with him. Why? Because they can misuse that. They can abuse it for their own selfish gain. And even as Christians, we have the temptation at times to want to do that ourselves, right? And so that's why the Holy Spirit is there to guide us and say, hey, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Okay, may want to think about that because if you are living in the flesh, then that gift that I'm giving you is not going to be for my purpose. It's not going to be for my glory. And so the spiritual gifts are meant for the edification of the, of the church, particularly this one. If you call this place your home, then your spiritual gift is meant for here. Amen? But you have to be saved first. To have that spiritual gift. You have to do it. Now, there wouldn't be Christmas without Christ. Right? Christmas is about celebrating our Savior. And we'll talk about that next week. The whole theme is going to be a thrill of hope. We need hope in our world today. We need hope in our world every day. Right? We need hope in this dark world because and who, who is the help? Hope. Jesus is the hope. Amen? And so without him, there is no Christmas. These gifts are different from your natural talents and skills that you develop. Last week I talked about when I start, started playing football at nine years old. When I first moved to Tarpon Springs, Florida from New York, I found a couple of guys playing football in an apartment complex right across the street from my, my house, my apartment. There was a field out there, and there were people running up and down, boys running up and down with their, their pads, their shoulder pads, and I'm like, I had no idea what that was because I grew up in the Bronx and our TV was so like pixelated. We didn't have cable. We had the, like the, anybody remember when you put the, the wire hangers on top of the, t the TV and you try to kind of like rabbit ears. So I'm talking about, we had an actual wire hanger, like the ones you can, if your kid locked the door inside and you got one of those wire hangers and you put, you open it, you open it, you press the button and you could turn the knob. I'm talking about those wire hangers that you get at the cleaners sometimes, right? So we put that in the back of our TV to get reception. And sometimes we're like, okay, hold. and my dad sometimes would be the one to kind of hold it a special way. And I think that's the reason why he's still skinny to this day, because something with radioactive or electricity, I don't know. My dad's 81 years old. The guy weighs about 135 pounds. I'm like, where do my jeans come from? Because I don't wear them. And I think there's a theory that he's been kind of on the, because of that whole thing with the TV, something happened. I don't know. And so we there trying to watch, and I used to remember watching the Giants, and all I can see is blue uniforms and the Giants helmet, and I just didn't know what it was. I mean, I couldn't really see it, a picture of that. So I didn't have an understanding of what football was until I get to Tarpon Spring, Florida, and I look out there, and I said, man, I want to I play that. And my mom was like, there's no way. We've got money for that. I'm like, Mom, please, I'll mow the grass. I'll do, you know, I'll do anything. I'll knock on people's doors and, and just dress, you know, kind of like inappropriate, not inappropriate, but dressed like I need help. And I just sit there with my hands sticking out and like, help, help, you know. I'll do whatever. And my mom's like, man, you just determined. It's almost like I felt called to play football there. You know, I was like, I got to do something. So I started playing, and I realized I'm just good at it. Now, I'm not the biggest, but I had a speed. And I would play defense and end. And I remember looking at the, waiting for the quarterback to snap that ball. And when he did, whoo, that quarterback was going to be on the floor. And I'll tell you what, probably about three out of the, uh, these four plays, okay, maybe two out of the four plays, if they get a first down in between, there's more plays. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm sacking the quarterback. The first time it happened, I'm like, yeah, that feels good. Second time it happens, oh, man, that feels even better, you know. And here's your name, Rafael Rodriguez, Rafael Rodriguez. I'm like, yeah, 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 number 62, Rafael Rodriguez. I'm like, 62, 63, somewhere around there. What am I? I have so many different numbers. I'm sacking, I'm sacking a quarterback. It felt like Rudy. You ever seen a movie? Rudy, 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 Rudy. Felt like him. Sacked the quarterback. 
And it was just this good feeling where I discovered that I was naturally talented in football. But a spiritual gift is different from natural talent. A spiritual gift is given to you by the Holy Spirit. A spiritual gift is given to you when you give your life to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit gives you a gift. It's different from natural talent, right? Because some of us have natural talent. Some of you can cook some mean chili, or you can cook a, a good roast, and man, you just got this certain, like, knack to, like, seasoning, you know? Just put the right seasoning in there. Maybe some of you dash it with your fingers. You're like, you get all excited and you're like, looking like, uh, what's her name? Oh, man, they made a movie out of her. What's, ooh, something? Somebody remind me. Something Charles? Julia Charles, right? Man, she can, right? She had a TV show and she just lit up the whole thing and just gifted at that. Natural talents, but a spiritual gift is given to us. Hey, that should give us hope because if you don't have a natural talent, guess what? The Holy Spirit could give you a spiritual gift that would be phenomenal, amen? Because some of us are sitting here like, man, what is my natural talent? I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe I can curl my tongue. That's my natural talent. I can make my ears move. That's my natural talent, you know? Whatever it may be. But the spiritual gift is different, and God gives you. These gifts are given to you by the Holy Spirit after you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In order to discover what these gifts are in your life, you have to pray, seek, understand God's leading, and unwrapping your spiritual gifts. So here's part two of our message. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 11. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. If you can't stand, that's okay. The Lord loves you still anyway. Okay? It's all right. He loves every single one of us. Whether you can stand or not, he loves every single one of us. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 11. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them all. There are different kinds of service, but the, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, the manifestation, do I have it up there? Let me see. Now, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Now, I said something about wisdom last time. Said somebody who had gray hair, that, that's a sign of wisdom, right? Um, this is a different kind of wisdom. This is a spiritual gift of wisdom. So you won't have to have gray hair to have wisdom. Thank God, right? Praise the Lord. You can have blue hair, purple hair. It's all good, right? To have wisdom, great wisdom. Given to us by the Holy Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous power. To, to another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretations of the tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Praise the Lord. Just as he determines. Let's put our hands in our Bible. Let's pray. Father God, I come before you right now, Lord. I thank you for this time, this opportunity to be able to preach your word this morning, Lord God. I don't take that lightly. I pray that I would decrease and you would increase, Lord God. We want more of you, less of me, and none of this world. We give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I love the part that says to another, to another, to another. It's like, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. Except for 2020 because it's COVID, right? But he kept on saying to another. And I can picture the Holy Spirit saying, oh, man, I'm going to, whoo, there's a gift right there. There's a gift right there. Oh, okay, there to another, to another, to another. And the Holy Spirit is going back and forth. You got to think, you know, kind of imagine with me because that's kind of how my mind works. The Holy Spirit just boom, 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 just giving it to to another, especially when I give, we give our life to Jesus, and I believe right then and then, boom, there's a Holy Spirit gift right there to another. And that's why we as a church, it's important for us to disciple people that come to Christ, because we want to help them develop that spiritual gift, right? And the Holy Spirit is back and forth, like to another, to another, to another, to another. Now, the gift that the Gators needed last night was the gift of keeping their mouth shut, because they got themselves in trouble last night with their mouth. Could have won that game. Anyways. I need help, guys. You want to pray for me at the end? Because gave this loss. Anyway. <laughs> the 
The Holy Spirit gives to another. He keeps on giving, keeps on giving. Here's the first thing I want to talk about. We depend on the same God. The Bible says we depend on the same God. In verse 4, it says it clearly, the same Spirit. Now, we're not talking about the phantom, okay? We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Not a, not a demonic spirit, but the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. We depend on the same God to give us gifts. We may have different gifts, ministries, and talents, or ways of working, but in us both, it is for, but in us both to will and to act according to God's purpose. Here's what it says in Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to, in order to fulfill his purpose, his good purpose. That's where your purpose comes from. He has a purpose for every single one of us. Here we are towards the end of 2020. Thank the Lord, right? Because 2020 has been an interesting year. Probably one we will never forget. Some years we have, right? Many of us might not forget 2020. But thinking to 2021, even before that, to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose in your life. He wants to give you gifts. He wants to bless you. He wants you to understand what that is so you know and serve, give the Lord your life in serving of him. Here's what it says this. The source of our gift is God. The spear for administering the gift is from God. And the energy to use this gift is from God. I'll say that again. The source of our gift is God. The spirit for administering the gift is from God. And the energy to use these gifts is from God. If the gift is given to you by the Holy Spirit, he gives you the energy to fulfill that gift. Now, but, I'm going to say this right here. But, remember, the Bible says to keep the Sabbath day holy. That's the fourth commandment, right? To keep the Sabbath day holy. Even in your spiritual gift, and you enjoy doing it, you get a kick out of it. You have to rest to, recu to recup recuperate, recover, so that you can continue to be used. That's what we talked about margin. We talked about making time in our life to pick up, do things that are meant for us to do, and say no to other things that are not meant for us to do, so that we are not tired. We're not overworked, um, overwork, and we're not being discouraged easily. We're not being able to fulfill our purpose and, and make a difference, so you have to learn to rest. But here's the thing that happens. When one of us has a spiritual gift better than somebody else, or one of us has a spiritual gift where it seems to be like it's elevated because a lot of us want that same spiritual gift. We're like, man, I wish I had the gift of prophecy. Like, these prophets are so cool. And then you think about the story of Elijah when he ran away from Jezebel because she was ready to kill him. And you're like, nah, that's okay. I don't want that prophecy gift. Because if you had to get the prophecy, the Lord wants you to speak the truth. Here's the deal, though. Even people in the church don't like to hear the truth. We want to hear what our itching ears want to hear. We want to hear, man, make, give me some feel-good messages so I can feel good about myself and go about my business. You know what happens when we do that? We begin to glorify the man. And how do we do that? You glorify men when you allow... When you allow they allow you to have your way when they, challenge, when they don't challenge you to grow, to change. Oh, it's okay. It's all right. God loves all of us. It's all right. You curse people out. It's okay. It's okay that you act like a heathen on Monday through Friday or Saturday, Monday through Saturday, but on Sunday, that is who you are. That is who you are. What are people saying about you at your job? If I would go to them and be nosy and say, hey, so tell me about, um, tell me about this person. Oh, that? Who? Mm -hmm. Do you want to know? No? Nope. No? If you, by your reaction? No, that's okay. You're good. I already know. You don't even got to say nothing. I already know. But they like they put these people on a pedestal because they don't make them feel guilty. Not guilty, but they don't feel conviction when they preach because they're preaching feel-good sermons. Feel good. Grace. God is gracious. Yes, he is. But do we take advantage of his grace? Do we take advantage of his mercy? Do we say, you know what? God understands. I'm going to continue sinning. 
Man, I remember talking to some of my friends in high school. We grew up with them, and I got saved. And I'm like, Raphael, why you don't hang out with us no more? Because I'm living a new life now. I don't want to live that way no more. I'm hungry for Jesus. I, I want to have a new relationship with him. I, I just want to get right back on track. I gave my life as a, uh, to Christ as a young kid, but when I got older, I kind of strayed away because I let the people influence me that were around me, and I rededicated my life to Christ, and I was like, I need to not hang out with you guys no more. I mean, you're not one of us no more. You become super religious. You think you're better than us. No. Man, I remember taking out a few friends of mine. I worked with them in Publix in Orlando. Remember the Publix I was telling you last week? I worked in Orlando off of Cimarron Boulevard. And I told what was the reason of why I chose that Publix? Who remembers? Who remembers? I chose a Publix. Good-looking chicks. See, somebody listens to my sermon. Remind me to give you an offering at the end, huh? I went there because when I walked in the door, I saw the girls. I was like, that's where I need to work. Here we go. Praise the Lord. But when I gave my life back to the Lord, I rededicated my life to the Lord. It was two guys, friends of mine, two of them. I used to hang out with these guys a lot. One was named Eddie. The other one was named Ramon. And I said, Ramon and Eddie. Something changed in me. And they were like, what? I know, we, noticed, we noticed a difference. I said, come. I took them out to eat. I took them to a movie. By the way, I was working on Publix. I wasn't making that much money. Okay? I had to forego something, change something around. I didn't have much margin back then either. So, But I did it because I wanted to show them the love of Jesus Christ. And I said, guys, man. If you only knew what happened to me, I want this to happen to you. And I'm showing you what Jesus done for me. He showed me kindness. He showed me mercy. He showed me grace even when I was sinning. When I surrendered my life back to him, he completely transformed me. And this is why I'm taking you guys out because I want to show you the love of Jesus Christ. They were like bombarded. They were like, Raphael, here's the 1-800 number to call the public's counselor because you done lost your mind. They didn't know what to, they didn't know what to expect. But I had to make that shift. I had to change the way I thought, the way to who I was uh, hanging out with. The problem is when we glorify men, they, you know, because they, want, they say the things we want to hear. Here's the thing, though. This is how the world operates. The world operates. They don't want to be told that they're going to hell. They don't want to be told to repent and get right. You try to witness to people. They're like, I don't want to hear about that Jesus I'm like, I'm trying to tell you the great, about the greatest gift you could ever have in your life. Do you understand that? He died for you. He, wants to, he, he died for you to, to, for you to have life and life more abundantly. Man, I have to tell you that because that's, it's not a secret, right? Man, you want people to be transformed, we got to tell them about Jesus. But if we're so used to listening to feel-good sermons, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Just live the way you want to live, and God still loves you. Where's the power for us to minister to people if we keep hearing about that? Where's the power for us to minister to people if we keep tolerating sins and, and certain behaviors and certain attitudes? And, you know, that's okay. Do what you want to do. Let me tell you something. I pastor this church and cry for you, and I, I get on my knees, and I pray for all of you because I want God to do something amazing in your life. I want you to leave this earth and here when you get to heaven, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because if I preach these feel-good sermons for you to hear so I could become popular, you could put me on the TV. Now, that's, if that happens, praise the Lord. What preacher doesn't want to be on TV? What preacher don't want to be on the radio? That's, I mean... But can I, suffer, can I deal with the temptation that comes with that? Am I able to deal with the praise that people will give me as a result of that? That's between me and God. I don't know. And if it never happens, praise God, because maybe I can't. But my job is to encourage you to get you to realize, hey, repent, give this to the Lord, and he will transform you. He will do something new. So sadly, the church acts the same way they glorify men who preach feel-good messages who tolerate sins in their congregants' life rather than help them be transformed. And we wonder why the church in America is slowly dying and being influenced by the world. 
How do you how do you say what are you talking about, Pastor Raphael? What are you saying? The election. What happened there? How it divided where we were because of this person and that person. Christians acting up a fool on Facebook. Talking more about their political party than they are about Jesus Christ. That should not be that way. Did they pay you to be a Republican or a Democrat? Did they die for your sins? The one who died for our sins is Jesus, so we should be talking about him more than anybody else. And so that's how I see how our world has become because we're so focused on the man rather than the man, the one and only King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because this popular preacher says we need to preach about uh, 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 Trump being president or preach about Biden being president, and so you got to do that. You better do it. You better do it rather than it being about God. You don't see me talking about that on social media. I don't care what pastor does that. I'm not doing it. You want to know where I stand with that? Come see me. I'll talk to you. My office is wide open. You can come to see me, and I'll talk to you what, where, I, where I stand on certain things. But I'll tell you this. I'm against abortion. Okay? I'm against child pornography. I'm against human trafficking. Okay? And if you struggle with homosexuality, I'm going to help you get free from that. Amen? Praise the Lord. That's right. We want you to have freedom. Because I care enough about your soul to help you find out where you need to get right with God. I'm against sexual morality, sex before marriage. Why? Because you're going to be bound by, by that situation in your life. Let it go. I'm against it. Because I want you to live a life of freedom, transformation, save. I want you to make it to the kingdom of heaven. But if you listen to preachers to say, that's okay, you're going to go to heaven anyway. No, it's not. They're lying to you. It's not. And I care about you and I love you enough to tell you that. Do away with those things in your life. Silos. I want you to hang out with these people because they make me feel good, not the people who are going to challenge me to change. The people who tolerate my sarcastic jokes or my provocative jokes about this, that women showing, you know, this, all these jokes that I have, I'm going to hang out with them because they tolerate that. Really? Are we supposed to talk that way? Man, let me, find, let me show you what I found. I don't have it on the screen, but I, had this, I found this message. I found this scripture the other day. Let me see here. It's out of Ephesians chapter 4, 5, verse 4. A seems stories, foolish talk, talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. That's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4. It's not my words. <laughs> so if you're wondering, where do you get this from the Bible? Right there. Well, this is how we always done this. This is how we always done that. And we wonder why we're not being effective in our community because we've done this and this and that. This is the way we've always done it, so this is how we do church. God's saying, wake up. There's people dying and going to hell. And you two be listening to these feel-good messages, uh, sermons to make you feel good, but you're not being effective in your community because they're tolerating all the stuff that you're dealing with. I still, I love you enough to tell you, get right with God. Because if I didn't love you, I'd be like, well, that's okay. Praise the Lord. God is gracious, merciful. Woo! Party hard, you know? Not only are we guilty of glorifying men over others, we fall into the trap of competing with each other. Man, she ain't got it like me. Oh, he think he better than me. Pastor think he better than me because he fasts and prays, so he better than me. No, I don't think that. I just love Jesus. <laughs> I'm hungry for more God in my life because I don't want to operate by the flesh. I want to operate with, by the spirit. And sometimes I got to put my flesh into submission. Okay. You ever wonder why I'm, what I'm doing during Sunday school? I'm praying in my office to, put, to submit myself to the spirit of God before I come up here and preach. Because I don't want to be preaching by the flesh. I want to be preached by the spirit. And sometimes you got to crucify the flesh. You got to say no to those things and seek God's face. We should never compete with each other, but instead make it a point to encourage one another, to help each other develop our gifts. We, don't do, we do that by recruiting others 
to help us in our area of ministry and raising them up. Amen. I love what I saw this morning. All different age groups up here worshiping. Praise the Lord, right? Thank you, ladies. Give a hand clap to these ladies. All different age group coming up here to worship. Man, we got a three-year-old. She could have came up there and been looking. Oh, that is who you are, you know. Praise the Lord. Developing the gifting in other people. Recognizing that and say, hey, you know what? Why don't you come up here and sing a couple of songs, right? Or join us. Oh, pastor, we don't know how to live. Well, they're not going to be leading worship. They might just sing. Right? I mean, that's what everybody thinking. I don't know how to live. Their lifestyle. Have you seen their social media page? Here's the difference. You can see theirs. What about yours that's hidden? What about the heart behind that statement? Right? Keep that. So I just remember when I said you point the finger, there's three more pointing back at you. And I talked about removing the speck in your eye, the plank in your eye. Right? Number two, we minister to the same body. Again, I say, I'll say what I said last week. These gifts are given for the good of the whole church. They are not for corporate or individual enjoyment, but for corporate employment. They are not for individual enjoyment, but for corporate employment. We must accept our gifts with humility because the working together in harmony is what will help this church. However, you can't lead unless you, are, you can be led. If you can't be led, then you are spiritually dead. Let me rhyme. Can't be led, spiritually dead. If you can't be led, then you're spiritually dead. Probably all of you guys. I'm not coming back to that guy's church. He's crazy. Yes, I used to rap, but I rap presents better. Okay. I remember hearing that one time. I was at a church in Jacksonville, Florida. This powerful man of God named Jim Riley. Man, he's a powerful evangelist. He went to school with, uh, with you guys, Cynthia and Marie and all of them. And he, man, what a powerful man of God. He pastors a church in, in Ormond Beach. It's called Calvary. But he came to another church in Jacksonville, and we were sitting at a night service, and he said, if you can't be led, then you shouldn't be leading. That moment, God said something to my heart. I, I could get chills. And I looked at Marie and I said, oh my goodness. I was in my 20s around there. Man, I'm, I'm so hot-headed. I think I have it all figured out. And I had to repent right there and then. Because if you can't be led, then you shouldn't be leading others. I got home that night. We were staying at her aunt's house, and I got into one of those rooms, and I was just like, Lord, forgive me. It began to reveal to my life. He said, until you're able to let that go and be able to be led before you lead, you're not going to lead ever. And if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be here right now. I had to understand that. I had to learn that. While these gifts that I mentioned last week and the ones I will mention today are adequate for the ministry of the church, God is not limited to these list of gifts. These are not the only gifts that he's limited to. He can give whatever gifts he wants to for whoever he wants to give them, as long as it comes from God. I'm not the one giving you gifts. Hey, here's the gift of preaching. Praise the Lord. You look like a preacher, so come preach. How do I know how you're living? If you're praying, if you're seeking, that you're living right for the Lord, right? It's the Holy Spirit that gives. He gives it to whoever he wants to give. He may also give gifts, other gifts as he pleases. The important point in this message is for you to discover your gift and how you can bless this church. That is what unwrapping the spiritual gift was all about. So what's unwrapping? What is your spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is an ability or prompting of the Holy Spirit given to us freely and is energized and empowered by God for his service, not for our own, for his service. That's why I would say be careful with your self-proclaimed preachers. They don't have no kind of denominational background, right? They're not part of an a, a, a accountability group. So they raise up their own ministry and they do whatever they want. And ultimately what ends up happening is they start stealing your money 
and they fall into some kind of sin, and then it's okay. That's all right. They can keep on ministering. I thank God for accountability. I'm accountable to the district, the Penn Florida District Council in Lakeland, Florida, and I'm accountable to the General Council of the Assemblies of God in Springfield, Missouri. Wow. Praise God. Because we all need it. We all need accountability. Before, before I get into the other gifts, though, I want you to really, I want to touch on two things before I get into the other gifts. Speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. Uh-oh, here we go. We're in the Pentecostal church. I don't know my parents speaking in tongues. You're going to be talking about Shurubara Honda Toyota. I want to explain to it. Explain, explain it to you. Because when I first got here, I talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That was like my, my very first message. The gift in speaking in tongues. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 10d. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and Different kinds of tongues. To learn about the gift of tongues, we have to first understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit. All believers are entitled to, to and should eagerly expect and earnestly seek the promise of the Father, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, according to the command of our Lord Jesus Christ. What did he say? You shall receive power from on high, right? You should baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He promised us the Holy Spirit. This was the normal experience of all in the early Christian church. When it comes to the endowment of power for life and service, the granting of the gifts and their uses in the work of the ministry. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you realize he was saying more than they were at at the moment? Because most of Jesus' ministry, they said it was within walking distance. And he's telling them, I'm going to empower you to go to the ends of the earth. To go out. This experience is distinct from the subsequent to the experience and subsequent to the experience of being born again. Meaning you have to be saved to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A heathen cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember when I saw this happen in New York. There was somebody who was trying to make an impression on my mother. And so she noticed that my mom had to get, you know, she started speaking in tongues when she prayed. And so she had to mimic my mom's prayer language so she could make an impression on her. And I'm thinking, you don't want to do that. Because the Holy Spirit would not be mocked. That's blasphemy in the Holy Spirit. What does it say? It's an unpardonable sin, right? Because that person wasn't even, they wouldn't have been saved. But they wanted to impress her, mimicking what she was doing. You have to be saved to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. With the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes such experience as an overflow, overflowing fullness of the Spirit. An overflowing fullness of the Spirit. Here's what it says in John chapter 3, 37 and 39. On the last day, in the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. He was still there. But he's promised us when he was glorified. His not did not happen with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A deep reverence for God. In Hebrews chapter 20, 12, verse 28, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have this deep respect, reverence, fear of God to live and do things right despite the consequences. Integrity is your friend rather than your enemy. Because what you're doing behind closed doors, even though somebody else is not watching, God is. 
And so you welcome integrity in your life because you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you have a reverence, you have a respect for God because even though I may not be watching, he is. So I'm not going to be watching you and walking, wondering what you're doing. That ain't my job. The Lord sees everything, even what I do. And I got to keep that in mind as well, right? Here's, here's another thing that happens with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. An intensified consecration to God and dedication to his work. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Here's the final one. A more active love for Christ, for his word, and for the lost. Mark 16, 20 says this. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we, cannot be, we are not afraid to witness to people. We have this boldness about us. Maybe you've been filled, but you need another filling of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I've been filled back in 1952, Lord, Pastor Raphael, and I speak in tongues better than anybody in this church. And, but when was the last time you lead somebody to Jesus? When was the last time you led somebody to the Lord? You might need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit because it comes boldness when we fill with the Holy Spirit. The Bible is clear on that. The disciples were given boldness when they received the Holy Spirit. The baptism of believers in the Holy Spirit is witnessed by the initial physical sign of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them utterance. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The speaking in tongues in this instance is the same in essence as the gift of tongues, but it's different in purpose and use. Speaking in tongues is used as your personal prayer language, okay? The gift of tongues is a corporate worship, but it has to be followed with an interpretation and not be abused with the interpretation, okay? So here's the second part of it, the gift of interpretation of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 10, E says this, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he's determined. The interpretation of tongue is the miraculous power to understand a language which the person has never known before and to convey the message in the local church or the local, the local language. The church in Corinth, they had issues exalting the gift of tongues above the other gifts. They had issues with that. They somehow thought that the more a man had the Holy Spirit, the more he was carried off beyond himself. They were confused. They confused power with spirituality. So if we're not careful, we've got to be careful with that, okay? This is why the gift of interpretation is important because the gift helps determine whether the message of tongues is legit. If we do a corporate speaking in tongues, it should follow with a message of interpretation, you don't choose the spiritual gift of your preference. The Spirit gives as he sees fit. He knows what, what you and his kingdom need better than you, you do. So trust him to supply you with a, the spiritual ability which, with which you can best serve him and bless others. Okay? I don't have all of these gifts. I don't want all of these gifts. I just want the gift that he gives me, the spiritual gift that he wants me to have, and he knows what I can handle. So I'm going to go ahead and quickly unwrap the rest of the spiritual gifts and discover, so we can discover what you are shaped to make a difference. Here's the thing. Again, I say it. You have to be saved to receive this gift. The first one is knowledge. In 1 Corinthians, it says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. The biblical meaning of knowing or to know is something experientially, intuitively, and in the present. This, it is subject to spiritual knowledge coming from God revealed to you, to you through the Holy Spirit where you are impressed cognitively by God. Here's the benefits of the gift. God uses people in the church that have the spirit-giving ability to understand in an exceptional way, the great truth of God's word and to make the truth relevant to specific situations in the church. This way, God is able to speak to believers in each generation and in each church. Ministry opportunities. The most obvious opportunity is teaching. This could be in a church or in a seminary teaching future teachers. This gift would certainly help someone in leadership. A counselor can use this gift to make the world 
make the word relevant in a person's life, the gift of knowledge. Here's another gift, faith. What do you mean? Well, we all have faith. There's a gift given to us of faith. It says this, to another, faith by the same spirit. Faith means persuasion, credence, a moral conviction. It is an assurance and belief. The gift of faith involves a prompting from God to trust him for the supernatural, to continue even when there are difficult circumstances. You ever been drawn to somebody to pray for you because you know that person has faith? That that person is not changed, if their faith doesn't change because of the circumstances around them, because they have the gift of faith, and you could go to that person and say, pray for me because I know that you have not been affected by this. I know that you, God will hear that prayer because you have faith. My faith is, I'm struggling with my faith now, so pray for me. Here's the benefit of the gift. Benefit of this gift. The gift of faith encourages the congregation, gives hope to believers, and is a witness to unbelievers. The gift instills confidence in God's ability to help both themselves as individual and the church as a whole reach the vision that God has for them. Ministry opportunities. Faith is important to the church. You could join a prayer group, be on a missions committee, be part of a church leadership and long-range planning committee. If God has given you the gift of faith, then you should use it to support the plans that are being made on behalf of the church. Because some people have the faith to continue to see, even though when COVID-19 hits the, the, the United States and churches have to, have to sit um, shut down and, and people have the faith to say, you know what, I'm not blinded by that. I'm, I see what God's going to do in the future as a result of this. And maybe a lot of our leadership needs that people of faith around us and remind us <laughs> God is in control. God is in control. Here's one that a lot of people want to have. The gift of healing. Lord, give me the gift of healing so I can travel around the world and lay hands on people and I can be glorified instead of you, right? A lot of people want the gift of healing. But here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 9. To another gift of healing by that one spirit. In the biblical language. Healing means to expect a cure through God's supernatural power. The gift is similar to faith. Here's the benefits. This gift used in a local church can encourage faith and hope. Healing can often spark revival and repentance. God often used this as a sign to the Jews both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. This gift encourages those new in the faith. Healing ultimately leads to God's glory. But he gives it to the right people who can have the ability to say, God gets the glory, not me. So the gift of healing is not given to everybody. Now, we could pray with faith for somebody to be healed. And I believe because God wants to heal that person and wants to use you for that moment, he can answer that prayer. But does that mean that you have the gift of healing? Maybe it doesn't. Okay? God just used you at the moment because you were willing to do it. You were available to pray. Here's a ministry opportunities. The gift could be used in a visitation ministry to the sick and elderly. It could be part of a need-based evangelism program. A person with this gift could be on the prayer team. This is also to be to call also the call to a more private prayer life for those that who we know that are sick and hurting physically and emotionally. Some of you guys may not show it right away over here, but you have your private prayer life and you pray for the sick for healing. And what encourages you when you hear the testimonies that they've been healed, oh, praise God. God's hearing. God's listening. God is healing. God is doing great things. Here's another one. Miracles. Wait a minute. We just talked about healing. It's a gift of miracles. In 1 Corinthians 12, 10, it says, to another miraculous powers. According to the Strong's Dictionary, a miracle is a force or power, specifically miraculous power. This is similar to healing in that both are the results of the supernatural. Unexpected. Miraculous. You ever gone to the doctor? They say, well, you, you got this condition. You go back and say, wait a minute, what happened? <laughs> a miracle is what happened. Right? Praise the Lord. What's the benefits of that? God uses people in a church that have this gift to ask for his favor and blessings on the church. When difficulty comes to the church and there seems no natural solution is available, God calls people with this gift to pray and trust him so that his glory may inspire the rest of the believers. Discernment. 
says this, to another distinguishing between spirits. Discernment means to be able to distinguish between right and wrong, good and evil. It is having a logical, judicial ability to think through issues. When we lack discernment, we don't recognize what the enemy is trying to do against us. So pray for discernment. Constantly pray for discernment. What is God saying? What is God trying to show us? This gift could be used in helping, settling disputes, counseling, spiritual warfare, or assisting church leaders with decisions. This gift can be used in counseling with addictions and low self-esteem, where deception is sometimes used as a coping, coping mechanism to get for discernment. Say, you know, uh, I think you need to kind of work on that some more. You know what happened with a lot of us, though, when we don't want to change? We want to stay away from the people that have discernment. Then we start labeling them. Here comes sister self-righteous. I don't need her to tell me that. And it's maybe something we say. Maybe how we respond to something. And they had discernment. They're like, that's not from God. You ever know people like that? That's not from the Lord. Maybe God placed that person in your life so you can change and have a more personal, intimate relationship with him. But if we don't want for God to do certain things in our life, we just want to, here she comes. Did she leave? Did she go? Sometimes God places those people in our life for a reason, right? Helps. First Corinthians twelve twenty-eight. Those able to help others. The gift of helps is different than just passively helping as in word, service, or servant. It's a servant. Rather than in helps, there's an involvement that goes deeper than just serving someone. In the Bible, biblical meaning of help, there are three parts of the definition. First part is that of helping, bringing relief, and giving assistance. The second part is the concept of thinking, taking hold of something to support and to participate. Taking hold of something to aid and to participate. You're helping. The third part is to exchange. There is an exchange between you and the person being helped. Exchanging. You see the needy as a giver, not just a receiver. You want to help them because that's what you're called to do. And you want to help them because you're not going to get nothing back in return. Your motive is not, well, if I help them... That person got, I saw the kind of car they drove when I got up here. They had a Mercedes Benz. Well, I'm going to help them. Hey, let me help you to the car. Praise the Lord. And you stand out there, they sit in the car, you stand out there like this. Be careful that they don't do it like they did in Home Alone, part two, when he gave them the gum instead of the money. And the next time he came back to the room, he said, you want a tip? No, no, I still have gum left over. He shows him that water cast. Wait, he goes, wait, 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 wait. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen that movie, Don't Act Self-Righteous. But you're helping because you're not expecting nothing in return. You're just helping because you're called to do that. You love to help people. You love to serve people. You see the needy as a giver, not just a receiver. What are some ministry opportunities? A gift of help often becomes a way that new people get involved in a church. A person with this gift can be part of a mentoring program, visitation in a in, in, of and a ministry to the sick, elderly, single parents, underprivileged youth, and families would fall under help. You just say, man, I just want to help, serve. I want to visit people in the hospital. I want to call them on the phone. I want to pray over them. I want to just be there to love on them. Here's the final one. Administration. In First Corinthians chapter twelve twenty eight, it says the gift of guidance or administration. It means to govern, pilot, direct, or steer. It was used to describe a person that would steer a ship. 
The gift of administration can help lead, accomplish great things. Leadership accomplish great things. Good administration can save time and money. In a volunteer situation, the gift of administration can bring professional-type skills to many events, meetings, and projects. Ministry opportunities. A person with the gift can help start and administer events, organize meetings, help with finances, office administration. The gift can be used in Sunday school or, or Christian education supervision. When a pastor needs a project done, a person with this gift can help accomplish it. That's what they can do to make a difference. There's so many gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, but are we using it? I'm going to close with this. In order for you to make a difference, you must understand your spiritual gift. Because sometimes we're willing to help in a particular area, but that's not, that's not the gift that God's given us. I'm not going to consider myself a prophet if the God hasn't given me the gift of prophecy, Right? And you come to my office, oh, let me give you a word real quick. All right. All right before you get there, looking at the Facebook page. All right, all right, this is the word. All right. Be careful what you post on Facebook because people see that, right? <laughs> I got a word for you. <laughs> Let go of that relationship. You just cried before that. I can't stand him the way he makes me feel. He's such a jerk. Right? But the pastor gave me a word. Stay away from that person. No. Okay. You must use them to promote. You must use them, your gift, with faith. You must use your gift with faith. God's given to you. Oh, pastor, I'm not very comfortable at this. Or I don't know, pastor. Did God give you the gift or not? If he did, use it with faith. Well, I don't know. I'm not good at um, Stop comparing yourself to somebody else. You ain't got to be dumb. God called you to be you. He wants you to use the gift the way he has wired you to be used. Amen? You must believe that you are created to make a difference. That's the truth. You're created to make a difference. Thank you for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on the podcast or share it with somebody by taking a photo and sending it by text message or share it with the link below and they'll be able to click on it and enjoy the message as well. Thank you very much. I'll see you next time.